0: funny is funny, right? So there's, there's various ways to get to funny, but funny is
1: funny. Yeah. I I always think like, whatever you involuntarily laugh at is the funniest thing because you're laughing laughing before you had the chance to think, right? So that means it's actually purely funny. And it doesn't matter then like what it is, you can think about it and pontificate on it later. But that is like, that is the funny. You know, yeah, and often you it's the
0: unexpected. I mean, just this morning, I was really. Nick Dixon shared a clip from Headliners last night in which they were discussing essentially a 16 stone man who identifies as a woman um, wrestling or judo or fighting women, young girls. And Leo Kurse said. You you know you have a right to transition, you have a right to identify as you do, but you don't have a right to punch 12-year-old girls in the face. And just I wasn't expecting that last line, and it just made me laugh. I the yeah. best thing you can do is maybe turn that. around what someone said and use it against them, or just be yeah. kind to them and say, look, do you know yeah. what, I don't have any feeling towards you. You've made yeah. a decision about me because you've yeah. seen me on GB News, or my view is on the wrong side of your history. Yeah. Uh, but you've never got to know me. You don't know the first thing about me. Yeah. Uh, so y- you can't make that judgment. So it's ridiculous and unreal to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the. I would say that's the best tactic because, I, like, I was saying that yesterday as well. Like, you don't have to have the social skills of a feral cat to be on social media. <laughs> like, you know, you can choose to be normal. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you can, can disagree normally. <laughs> well, this is the thing: is you can choose to be anything you like.
0: Yeah. Imagine having the choice of being anything you could possibly that's be important. and still yeah. choosing to be a dick. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, that tells me that dick is that dick it, is living inside of you. It needs an outlet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also banned in
0: Pakistan. Yeah, exactly. The, diverse, the only diversity I'm interested in is uh, the diversity of, of, of somebody's comedy. So whether that's male or female, um, uh, race, whatever it might be, it, i'm not i'm not going to need a black one a brown one a white one a girl one a boy one i never think of that i think right this is i'll, I'll probably start with a headliner and say this is going to be the headliner for the show and then i'll try and match in terms of diversity of style to curate the show um so i'm not driven at all by what I see, other than if I think they're funny, or if I think the audience will think they're funny, or if collectively previous audiences have told me that they're funny, um, uh, so um, uh,
1: tro- spoken like a true bigot. But yeah, go on. Yes, then.
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, this is it. You're supposed, uh, in many ways, you're supposed to. But I think that's very yeah. niche. I think that I think mm. if you, I, I think it's very niche to say you must have those things, and that's yeah. why
1: I find like mm. uh, that. We we have become so intolerant with our tolerance that we, we are reducing people like comedians to be political commentators or social commentators while they're on stage trying to be funny.
0: Yeah. And there's only one judge, and that's the yeah. audience. Yeah. And at these you know at at these gigs that are being recorded at Chappelle and Gervais level, there's ten thousand people in those audiences. And yeah they're laughing. So that's a clear indication that to at least those 10% of people, this is very funny. And the only problem I really have with that is when people say they're wrong. The mm-hmm. comedian's wrong, the audience is wrong, yeah. and this is what's wrong. I mean, the idea behind that is the idea of controlling speech, of course.
1: Welcome to the World of Moments Podcast and on this episode of Reflections and Reactions we have a special guest with us. We have the comedian Paul Cox. Paul Cox is a professional comedian, writer and broadcaster. He started stand-up comedy in 2015 and since then has performed all over the UK. He's a regular on the GB News shows, um, Headliner and Free Speech Nation and he has also supported other artists, um, other stand-up comedians, and appeared at the Pyline Festival and Victorious in his hometown of Portsmouth. Paul was also a finalist in his prestigious Hackney Empire New Act, uh, Natties uh, 2018. Paul is also the founder and host of Epic Comedy, which has over 20 venues across Hampshire, West Sussex, Dorset and Berkshire. And According to further information about epic comedy, epic comedy is if you are a GB news listening, Brexit supporting, far right bigot, that's the best place for you to be there. Because you can freely use the N-word as much as you want, and now it is not true Can you imagine? I mean, I might get more customers, you never know. Exactly. And now, now in some of the venues, they are beta testing this inspired by the Ricky Gervais's uh, new stand-up. Yeah. Party. They have a special booth now where you can take uh, disabled children and beat the shit out of them as well <laughs> I mean, by the way when somebody just
0: clips you saying that with a serious face and me laughing afterwards that's going to make an interesting viewing for me at some point yes, exactly. uh, most of that was true some of it isn't i'll let your watchers and listeners decide uh, what they want to be true and what's not great to see you how are you doing mate i'm doing good how are you i'm okay i'm okay um yeah, just it's so it's January, isn't it? And I don't know, yeah. I don't know what it is, but this year in particular, I feel like quite. I'm looking forward to the year. I don't know why. I think, I mean, in all honesty, it looks entirely bleak, doesn't it, going forward? But yeah. for some reason, I don't seem to be too yeah. worried about
1: twenty twenty-four. I don't know. I think so. It feels like it's going to be turbulent year. It's going to be a turbulent year. But at the same time, there's some some sort of changes are going to happen, which is going to be good for 2005. That's what I feel like, you know, and I hope like those turbulences are not as shaky as they're looking to be.
0: Well, by the way, the people that are telling us it's going to be turbulent are the people who need it to be turbulent to maintain their careers. you know i mean everything you know including gb news you know i I, I love working for gb news but it's in our best interest for there to be an absolute carnage out there because it gives us something to talk about however you know if you ever look back uh things well i was gonna say if you ever look back things aren't always as bad as they seem but sometimes you look back and think that was much worse than anticipated yeah but it all depends on your perspective of the world doesn't it and uh, that's Mm. why i enjoy doing comedy
1: yeah i mean and and that's what we hate to talk about today, mainly comedy. Um, we want to, I think so we're going to talk a, a bit of discussion about your career so far. Um, but the main discussion that we want to discuss is the root of funny, like where does the funny comes from? But first tell us like, how has your career been? Because it's not just for us to know like how your career has been so far, but is the state of British comedy, because the br- state of British comedy as I see it, it's a bit it's a bit mellow, sort of like bleak. It's not that, you know, it's not that robust, right? It's not like in America where, you know, you, you see that culture, they originated that culture. And British comedy is very uh, different and it's very controlled as well in most cases, which is why your venue is so great.
0: Um, what I would say is that the sensibilities between the British and the US are different, of course. So... Uh, the things that maybe an American audience would find funny and a, and a British audience would find funny are, are different. Obviously, there's a huge Venn diagram there, and uh, there's a lot in the middle that joins the two. Uh, from my perspective, like all good stand-up comedians, I started with an electronics engineering degree, um, <laughs> went into project went into project management, and uh, and, and then fell my way into stand-up comedy. Um, I, I, it went into my 30s, so uh, it, it didn't all... It wasn't... It wasn't all stand-up for me, um, but I did. You know, I, I, I actually did something called a, uh, a stand-up, an introduction to stand-up comedy. It was a course in oh, yeah. Camden, in London, uh, and basically it was for budding uh, stand-up comedians or people who just wanted to uh, perhaps overcome uh, the anxiety of performing yeah. in front of a, yeah. a live audience or present better. Mm. so there are all sorts of people in that course for me um i was at a bit of a loose end i always wanted to do and some guys and just didn't know how to start so i just i went along and did this course and it's only a six-week course and it worked mm. out very well for me i just very very quickly probably for the first time in my life that i found something for me that i really really wanted to do and even though um the first you do this showcase gig at the end of the course and it all went extremely well and I thought, you know, it's only a matter of time before I'm a world famous comedian with my own chat show. Uh, I learned very quickly that was not gonna happen because I died on my ass in the <laughs> very next gig. And, you know, I knew instantly that I wanted to do it because what during that failure I just felt like, Okay, I wanna get better at this and I don't wanna s I, I I don't want that I don't wanna feel that again. Because you, you never eradicate that, no not matter what at what level you're at at all. You Mm. There's always going to be failure because you know each audience is different. All you learn to do is just get more confident as a performer, hone your skill. But in terms of where comedy is now, I think comedy is in a pretty good place. I mean, it's, it, it is it is good to the it, it is easy to look at comedy and say it's not because what we see are the biggest names and the way that they're critiqued. You take someone like Ricky Gervais or Dave Chappelle. And these are the people that arguably at the very, very peak of stand up comedy, based purely on their success. You know, you can say what you like about them, but success is measured in income, Mm. awards, fan Mm. base, you know, if all those things are the biggest in the world, you're probably doing okay. Whether there are deltas or not. That's not to say that people, you know, below them are rubbish. Everyone, that You know, there are plenty of, you know, one thing I'll never do is say this particular comedian is rubbish and this particular comedian is good because it's all in the eye of the beholder. Uh, you know, yeah. I run comedy nights. Um, mm. I try and curate nights so that each act is different. Uh, so and by the, the way, up, epic up, e- epic comedy get, is...
1: Uh, you get a lot um, of rubbish comedians. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, no,
0: we don't at all. What you do find, so, what you do find sometimes, however, is that you'll put a big name headliner on, and the audience, of course, they'll love it, but they're expecting to enjoy that, and, and yeah, they'll uh, come back to you afterwards and say, "Actually, the support acts were my favourite because they already hold these other headliners mm. in such high esteem that you know yeah. what more can those guys do to impress them." So they're impressed by the people coming through because they've not seen them before. But uh, I should I should say I mean you made epic comedy sound like it was unleashed. Unleashed yeah. is something good. Diff- uh, epic yeah. comedy it, it isn't really. I, mean, I don't I don't call it free speech or non-free speech. I mean mm. like, I pick, the diverse, the only diversity I'm interested in is uh, the diversity of, of of somebody's comedy. So whether that's male female, um, uh, race, whatever it might be. I'm not. I'm not going to need a black one, a brown one, a white one, a girl one, a boy one. I never think of that. I think, right, this is. I'll I'll probably start with a headliner and say this is going to be the headliner for the show, and then I'll try and match in terms of diversity of style to curate the show. Um, So I'm not driven at all by what I see, other than if I think they're funny, or if I think the audience will think they're funny, or if collectively previous audiences have told me. That they're
1: funny. Um, uh, so um, uh, tro- spoken like a true bigot, but yeah, go on. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, this is it. You're supposed, uh, in many ways, you're supposed to. But I think that's very yeah. niche. I think that I think mm. if you, I, I think it's very niche to say you must have those things, and yeah. you will get, particularly in huge cities like London, maybe Manchester, you will get nights that are sort of lesbian only or women only or whatever it might mm. be. Um, and there's absolutely
1: nothing the established theme, right? So, if, if it's already established theme, it's fine because you know, whatever people want to enjoy it, whatever they're comfortable with, they can go. Is it's when uh, things like that say that you need to include us while we are excluding you that's sort of like, oh, no, I don't need to include anyone, and I don't need to exclude anyone. I can have whatever criteria, I can have a criteria. Um, you know, white only comedy, right? But that uh, nobody can say. I'm trying to get can you, can you canceled. Paul that, Cox's yeah. white only comedy night.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, it, uh, uh, I mean, some people <laughs> might argue that that's happened um, yeah. because, you know, lineups. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but 80% of this country is white. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes the 20% aren't available.
1: But supposed to I go to the shop, there's white people. I go to my office, there's white people everywhere. Fucking white people everywhere. Is that, I mean, I'm sorry, can mate. Be, can, I I hit, can I be elected for Scotland now? You probably
0: can, actually. Yeah. That would, I mean, to be fair, if that was your campaign speech, you'd stand a good chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, but I don't think, I, I do still believe it's kind of niche to certain parts of the country. Hmm. And, and not just certain parts of the country, certain parts. Of, of political standing and ideology, and you know what? They're welcome to it. But when you've yeah. got to, when when you've got a business like mine that is mm. trying to entertain the masses in 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 the shires outside of London and Manchester and Birmingham, mm. they're not particularly interested. The audience can be mixed, but what they're interested in is getting bang for buck. They want a good night yeah. now, and they yeah. want to laugh. Exactly. Um, and, and 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 for me, well, now we're going to get onto the root of what's funny, and I think there's there's you know, there are there are no matter what the sort of parts on the stage looks like, says they're like identifies as mm-hmm. funny is funny, right? Yeah. So th- there's there's you various ways to, to get to funny, but funny is funny.
1: Yeah, I I always think like whatever you involuntarily laugh at is the funniest thing because yeah. you're laughing because you're laughing before you had the chance to think, right? So that yeah. means it's actually purely funny. And it doesn't matter then, like, what it is. You can think about it and pontificate on it later. But that is, like, that is the funny, you know. Yeah, and often it's the
0: unexpected. Project. I mean, just this morning I was reading... Nick Dixon shared a clip from Headliners last night in which they were discussing essentially a 16-stone man who identifies as a woman um, wrestling or judo or fighting women, young girls. And Leo Karras said... You, you know, you have a right to transition, you have a right to identify as you do, but you don't have a right to punch 12-year-old girls in the face. And just, I wasn't expecting that last line, and it just made me laugh. Yeah. You know, I've just then, you know, i just found myself laughing out loud at yeah. a 12-year-old girl being punched in the face. If you want to look at that joke that way, that's yeah. not the joke. Yeah. Now, Ricky Gervais right. is very good at pointing this out. The subject, you know, the, the thing you're talking about isn't always the butt of the joke. Mm. The there mm. is not making fun of, no, of twelve year old that. girls getting punched. He's making fun of 60,
1: 16 stone grown men. Yeah. It's
0: it's it, and it's absurd. It's absurd.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, wh- what do you think about the um, Unleashed? Uh, bit. I,
0: I I really I mean first things we should say about Unleashed. Uh, the first thing is it's a fantastic club. Yeah. It was yeah. it was started by Andy Shaw and uh, Andrew. Um, Doyle, sorry, yeah, I can forget it. Andrew, Andrew Doyle, the great messiah. Andrew Doyle and Andy Shaw. Them. And um I performed at the clubs in Leeds and London. The second thing I will say, and I had a great time by the way, really, really mm. fantastic time, and you get a lot of, sort of headlines of or Free Speech Nation fans coming along, which is always really nice mm. to meet those. Um but the fact that the, the fact that it needs to be there
1: is yeah.
0: a sad indictment mm. of where we find ourselves Thing um. in society at the moment and politically, because ultimately, what's going on at that comedy club is absolutely no different than what's going on at ninety-nine percent of comedy clubs around the country. There are people getting up there and they're being funny and they're testing Mm -hmm. the boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah, there there aren't. I've not seen in in clips or any shows I've done. There are people getting up on stage deliberately trying to offend a minority Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. They're just playing with the ideas of what is essentially the truth of our reality at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing as well. Like sometimes, like when you say like, uh, like I love Ricky Gervais and I love Dave Chappelle, right? But they're having. It seems also that they're having to do certain material because of what they're seeing future comedians being restricted for, right? So they have to do this sort of like a bit preachy sort of comedy rather than being just uh, like just being funny. Right. So people like who are just being funny, like uh, the American comedians like Shane Gillis or Mark Norman, they're just being funny, right? Because people like Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais have to preach so that these people can exist and other future comedians can exist. I see that as a sad thing as well, like that they have to do it, and then they have to justify their comedy within the act. And then, like, you know, it's sort of like uh, that uh, bit about Ricky Gervais beating up the the disabled kid and stuff, right? So it's it's sort of like... Don't make me laugh, man, at that (laughs)
0: moment. You can't just say Ricky Gervais beating up disabled kids. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I mean that, that line it's itself story. is funny. That happened. He got he got a disabled kid on stage and he beat the crap out of it. I <laughs> saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not normally a
0: fan of prop comedy, but that was quite something.
1: Yeah. But you know, like that bit, it's uncomfortable uh, for some, but is funny as well, without him having to explain the context. Right. That's when it has the most impact because then you can like imagine the layers of funny and the layers of actual proper topics behind it, serious topics behind it that he's like layering in there. So that's why I find like mm. uh, that we we have become so intolerant with our tolerance that we we are reducing people like comedians to be political commentators or social commentators while they're on stage trying to be funny.
0: Yeah. And there's only one judge, and that's the yeah. audience. Yeah. And at these gig you know at at these gigs that are being recorded for, at Chappelle and Gervais level, there's ten thousand people in those audiences. And yeah. they're laughing. So that's a clear indication that to at least those ten percent of people this is very funny. And the only problem I really have with that is when people say they're wrong. The mm-hmm. comedian's wrong, the audience is wrong, yeah. and this is what's wrong. I mean, the idea behind that is the idea of controlling speech, of course. Yeah. Because if you're to say that's wrong, you can't laugh at that because A, B, and C. But what can you laugh at? Oh, you can laugh at this. And then basically all they're doing is taking exactly the same concept and just turning it around and going, now now you can laugh. They don't see the irony in that whatsoever. They've changed nothing. They've just changed the target. So it's okay to have a target, but we're going to choose who the targets are. And audiences don't care for that because they don't know what they're going to laugh at when they sit there. No one sits down in a big auditorium like that and says, God, I hope there's some stuff about kicking babies in the head because I'm really up for that <laughs> tonight. But no one's doing that. It's the fact no. that people are getting caught by surprise. I mean, yeah. I, I say no one's doing that. There'll be someone in the comments going, I'll do that. Okay, fair enough, mate. But, you know, yeah. see a therapist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I want to... What is your process of writing a joke? And, does, and do jokes actually just pop up in your head right because i'm I'm thinking about myself as a non-comedian right and that's why i have to hold myself even on social media and stuff because like Mm -hmm. i'm not a comedian i'm not gonna get this right it's funny in my head it's gonna be really stupid when i say it out loud so just shut up and don't do it but like i have to stop myself a lot like i'll give you an example there was um there was this tweet um this this woman this chinese woman uh she was in the gym And there was this guy who was beating her uh, torso, like, you know, and she was, I don't know what she was, why she was having that beat up. And, and the tagline was like, what is she, um, what is she preparing for? Or what is she, whatever, like, you know, for, and my instinct was marriage. Right. But I maybe where do you come from, mate. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'll have to, mm-hmm. if I say that, it's a joke in my head and I think it's really funny. But if I say that, I'll have to explain a lot of things. So I didn't. Well,
0: actually, <laughs> right, here, here we go. Okay. So one of the things, so park that thought for a moment because I don't think that's totally, uh, I don't think that's totally deranged at all. I'll tell you why because one of the things I look at straight away is truth and the absurdity of truth. So it, if I say that joke, it probably does seem weird, because there isn't an association necessarily mm. with people from my background beating their mm. wives up instantly. And, yeah. and that's not to say that white people don't beat their wives up. Sadly, yeah. that's, uh, that's yeah, it's it's true that they do. do
1: but they there, is this mis-
0: do there is this misconception... <laughs> that all Pakistani men, Muslim men, are likely to yeah. beat their wives up. Yeah. So straight away, is saying it from your perspective, that you've layered the joke, and yeah. okay, it's a bit rude one, it's a bit crude, but I think it could be funny. I think there are ways of mm. making that funny, because uh, I, the way, the process of me writing is, is not too different to the way you described. I, I'll essentially, it, I'll probably put a joke of some kind up on Twitter every day, mm. nearly every single one of those jokes. Comes from me reading what's trending, and mm. the in, and the thought that instantly pops into my head. So I look at a couple of things straight away. I look at what the truth is. So maybe the truth being hidden. What should what could the truth be? Mm. The absurdity of that truth. That of that truth. Sorry. And then most importantly, I think the the relatability. Mm. So just because something's funny in your head, um, it could well be funny to you and seven yeah. other people. Ideally, yeah. you're trying to you're trying to appeal to more than seven other people. So you look seven, at the relatability. Seven
1: people,
0: seven people is a big crowd for me. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> well, the other thing, of course, is people expect me to be funny. So yeah, over yeah. the years, mm. that's been built up to a point where, when people look at me, they expect me to be being funny. So they they're not going. Oh, that's a bit weird. They're going, oh, he's being funny. Whereas if yeah. you say, if you've got, if you've got 99 serious political tweets, yeah. and then your hundredth one is you making a joke about beating your wife up, people are not going to instantly see that as a joke.
1: This is um, why I spoke myself, because <laughs> I was like, because in my head, like how I am uh, th- saying things on Twitter and stuff like that, it is me, is a part of me, but I'm not putting my silliness out there that much which is 99% of me I'm 99% of the time I'm outrageously silly to my friends and stuff and I like making like you know myself into a fool but people outside don't know that and that's why my wife also tells me control yourself when you're out <laughs> cuz you know people have vague weird ideas about me that's...
0: well and, and do you know what, it's a really key thing whether we like it or not well, I I learned this very early on in stand up comedy mm. live comedy is the audience perceive you a certain way. Mm. So in my stand-up, I used to make a lot of references about class and coming from a council estate and being working class and then aspirational middle class and the difference between Mm. meeting middle class and working class people. When I'm Mm. talking about working class, I used to perform, I used to have a a standard nine-to-five job as a project manager. I'd wear a suit and a tie and I'd turn up. To a stand-up gig after the office job, in a you know, I would take the tie off, but I'd have a, a suit and a shirt on, and I would I would then talk about my life as this you know some underprivileged like character, uh, in a shirt and tie, and people you know they don't, that's not what they expect to see. They yeah. probably expect to see me in a tracksuit or or whatever. So you have to <laughs> I agree. Uh, well, exactly. So you 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 really do have, you know, if you're setting yourself up to something, you have to sort of. Second guess what the audience would expect. The audience are only going to accept certain things mm-hmm. from what's looking back at them. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. It doesn't matter how how good your jokes are. Sometimes, if I start telling jokes about Pakistani women or Pakistani men, yeah, it's just not. The, it you gets, know, doesn't relate. Um, yeah. it's, well, maybe it does. Even if you thought that's incredibly relatable, you can think, but why is no, he I mean, saying it? What's I his mean- motive?
1: Unless you're talking about bashing parkies, then then it would relate, right? I oh, don't no,
0: no, that, that is not just just be all in, just re- No. I'm just gonna say no. I was gonna try and explain that then. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, you're more than welcome to a respect free speech. Well done, but not me. God said. I can't Absolutely not. I want no part of this. Even though I am on GV News, I want no part of what you're... This trap is not something I'm falling into. The uh,
1: by the end of this, you will get cancelled.
0: Yeah, well, well... maybe. Maybe. I, I, I have no problem getting cancelled for something I meant to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, you can get cancelled for anything these days. Oh, you, you certainly can. You've yep. got to be very careful. Look, I
0: think there's a bit of a superpower to being a comedian, actually. Um, hmm.
1: Not mm. to oversell mm. it, but the yeah. idea,
0: I can probably get away on social media, at least, with saying things that you can't yeah. because it's expected of me. And, of course, that's the first thing mm. someone trolling me will say. They'll say, comedian, in inverted commas, or you think that's funny. And the irony of that is they'll say that on a post that's got 275 likes. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, I did think it was funny, but so did these 300 other people, And you're and, and obviously you're complaining about that. It yeah. doesn't... I mean, I can only speak for me, but that that does not bash my ego whatsoever when someone says you're not funny. Because, of course, you you know that not everybody's going to think you're funny. That, that's not the only... No. You know, if I, if I if my aim was trying to win every single of the yeah. 8 billion people on, on Earth
1: over, then you're failing. You know, I'm failing. Yeah. I mean, it it just can't happen. Like, I don't understand why people think, like... we are not robots like we are not alike everyone likes very different things even in my household what i find funny is what my wife won't find funny and that's probably because of gender but also because she's polish and they don't know funny anyways but you know that sort of happens but they don't they are very serious people they don't understand laughter you know i I always joke about like polish people having an upside down smile (laughs) They got a frown,
0: I think. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's true or not because I don't have enough experience. But um, you know, I do. <laughs> so you know, you're talking from it's lived experience. So it must of be
1: true. Yeah, twelve years of experience. My lived experience. Or <laughs> well, maybe,
0: just maybe, uh, she just doesn't find you funny, mate. Maybe, maybe just maybe she just. I mean, she clearly loves you, and there's lots of good she sees in you. But she didn't yeah. marry you for your comedic skills.
1: Ah, uh, I know, I know. I should divorce her, right? No! No, you should. She could be watching Why this. Do I don't... <laughs> In my culture, if people don't find me funny, they get fired. So, that's so what you <laughs> Well, you yeah, good I luck
0: I with that, replace...
1: mate. I shall replace you with a second wife.
0: <laughs> well, you, well, maybe you can do that, mate. But then you've given up Islam, haven't you? Um, Yeah. <laughs>
1: let <laughs> not make nice you know, about like, you you know, you know I, I can still dip back for some benefits can I? Yeah you can do a hybrid sort of uh, situation yeah. going on there can't you? Exactly. No, I'm sure yeah. I can be an Andrew Tate can't I?
0: Well again <laughs> that is not my advice <laughs> you can do exactly what you like. Um, the other thing of course about the root of funny is originality mm. because yeah, yeah. We're all actually capable, you know, pro pro comedians or not, of thinking of funny things. And I guess the only thing that sets people apart is whether you can say some, some, whether you can take some well trodden ground and give it a perspective Mm. that not many people have, or or take something that nobody's thought about, perhaps they've never even thought it's funny, and make it Mm. funny. And that's probably in the end where the craft and skill comes from, because they're able just to. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I think it's true of most comedians. Making other comedians laugh sometimes is a real kick. So if, 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 if you get another comedian who will share a funny thing you've said on Twitter, yeah. that's that's where you know that's you know whilst I love the, all the other retweets and all the other likes, that's the one that will catch my attention because I'm like, well, wow, I've made another comedian laugh. Because yeah. we are a cynical bunch of bastards. Yeah. And I'm not going to laugh at someone else in yeah. case in case we give them any attention whatsoever. Yeah so uh it's it's it kind of a that.
1: nod as well isn't it like because you're sharing a craft with someone and if they find it <laughs> funny like it gives you that boost for, okay i'm doing and especially if that someone is uh further down the line in their career than you and they yeah, are laughing sure. at your stuff it just gives you that and i think so it's in every profession but because people don't understand like there's actually not that many standard comedians in the world like it's not like no. you know any other field it, it it's probably the most minority sort of feel. There's very less stand-up comedians, and they, even less from them, who actually make it to some sort of fame, and then even less who are like superstars, right? So sure, they're like sure. handful of people, right? Yeah, so, I guess it's, the, I guess like it's, true, it's true, true in almost all film careers,
0: film. but you're right. There's less of no. us. Um, yeah. <clears throat> big part of big, big part of me taking GB News, which was a big decision for me actually, mm. because you know, I had to really think about that. It's got, there's connotations with channels like GB News, and of course you're told that. So I had to mm. really sit down and do sort of a, a search of my own morals, what did I, you know. I don't represent mm. GB News, GB News doesn't represent me, but I'm very proud of working for GB News. I'm actually very proud yeah. of a lot of the work that GB News does, because it offers yeah. something different. And yeah. was, who doesn't was
1: want to do that? Well the thing is, like, I know people sneer and GB News and stuff like that, but it's sort of like one thing is, if if our BBC was not that uh, politically inclined in one direction, we wouldn't need a GB News in the first place, right? And then sure. it, it it is giving a, a different opinion that, that the mainstream, other mainstream are not giving. Like GB News is sort of a mainstream in itself now. But yeah. other, others are not giving. So, you know, it's sort of like you can make up your own mind. You can see what's happening on GB News. You can see what's happening on BBC. The same story. You can pick and choose and say like, okay, where, where does the truth lie? You know, if you think like GB News is not telling the truth. But the thing is, what I, what I find weird is people just without even engaging with the content, predetermining that this is racist and this is not it's sort of like you know you're not really engaging you just become tribal for some reason like you know you made we we have made like it seems like within britain we've made institutions into churches right we are yeah because we because people have lost religion so much in this country that they have replaced like bbc they have replaced nhs which are at the turn of, like, last century, at the start of the last century, they only got established. It's not like they've always been part of Britain. British history is a lot longer than BBC, than NHS, and if we want to change it, we, ch- we can change those things. But people have made that into a cornerstone of some weird, like, you know, religion that they're leading. And that's why any, any challenger to that, that ideology, that's why they become so visceral about it because any uh, any challenge to that is like blasphemy, isn't it? And that's how they treat people at GB News like they're, you know, they're the Satan, like they're blasphemous well, people.
0: Absolutely. I don't know if you've read Andrew Dawes' New Puritans. Um, oh, I, have. I really have love
1: that. Yeah, but if you yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, well, you have. If your listeners, uh, watchers haven't, then I, I, I thoroughly recommend yeah. that. Uh, alongside War on the West by Douglas Murray as well. I think you yeah. read those yeah. two books together. Yeah. And uh, maybe A Love Letter to the West from Constantine Kisman as well. I mean, basically, yes. I'm just
1: going to shout out to all the people that have written great yeah. books in the last couple of years. And also, also Gadsad's the, the Parasitic Mind. These yes. four books are really important. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think they are. Do you know, to the point is, I would want to take... At least one of those books and make it part of the curriculum alongside. Oh
1: yeah, some yeah. something
0: that had the complete opposite view as well. By the way, yeah. I don't think that we should just have Douglas Murray in schools or Andrew Doyle in schools. Mm. Of course, Andrew Doyle was in schools once because he was a he yeah. was a teacher. Um, yeah. But but we should have it alongside something else as well, just so kids come out with a more balanced view and they can yeah. make their own decisions up. And can well, be told I that. So
1: I, like Paul. I think so. At this at this point, we need teachers to have that teachers to have that knowledge rather than the students because they are yeah. the ones who are you know brainwashing indoctrinating kids and kids yes. are more likely to read entry doyle than their teachers that's the problem that we're having
0: yeah you, you i'm sure you're right there because mm-hmm. um only because it's pavlovian isn't it That then mm-hmm. if they say the right thing they're rewarded mm-hmm. if they think or say the wrong thing they're not and mm-hmm. in the end whether they believe it or not, they behave a certain way, or you just get tons and tons of teachers who think the same way, or whatever it might be. Because actually, when you when you have private conversations with most people about these things, mm. most people actually think the same. You do come across the occasional person who um does have very zealotted, strong views in one direction or another. But most mm. people are fairly grounded. Or, or, or they don't understand, but what they know is what's common and what makes sense to them. Mm. So you've just got a bunch of people that are pretending to, you know, they work for pay. That's what yeah. they are, because yeah. that's the control you've got over people. Mm. That's why Dave Chappelle I, I, and Ricky Gervais can say what they want because they don't need to. Yeah. they don't need to earn any more money. And, they,
1: and that's why I was saying, like, at the same time you know, sometimes when I watch their comedy, I'm like, I love b- both of them and like other people like them as well. But it's sometimes like, you know, I'm watching comedy to get away from those things, right? Like uh, co- for me, right? Not from the normal people, like from, uh, I'm not saying I'm special, but like other people who are not, <laughs> I might be special in the head, but <laughs> not the not the people like who are not constantly engage in political stuff or social social commentary and stuff like that. For them, this this is, like, a lot more funny, I think, than someone like me because, like, I know where the joke is going because it's been played out so much and I agree yeah. with you so much that, like, you know, I know where the joke is going and I just want to laugh at something silly, something unrelated, something, like, from your story. That's why I, like shane gillis when he does that um act about um a, his family member having down syndrome but right? it's it's funny because it's completely out of political sphere you know and then like or mark norman would like do some comedy bit and stuff which is not that related to politics or stuff like that you know no, of so course it's there, are, like there are many
0: left-leaning comics who don't do political That's views that, yeah. that, that are very funny and what mm. happens occasionally... I mean, take uh, James Acaster, for instance, who comes in mm. for a bit of stick whenever whenever Ricky Gervais um, uh, gets a mega-performing special yeah. because he, he's kind of made Ricky the butt of one, one or two of his jokes. And yeah. he's, he's thoroughly entitled to do that. But yeah. if, you, if you took that joke out of that hour, you probably yeah. wouldn't know which way James lent. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that material is kind of surreal and very funny. I think yeah. I think you should go into any form of art just with an open mind and then make your mind up afterwards. Some sometimes whether it's whether you agree with the politics or not, it's it's too confronting. And you just or you you know, I as well as doing stand up comedy, I host a lot of comedy shows as well. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm speaking to the audience a lot. And if you go anywhere near anything political, they climb yeah. up. They climb yeah. up. It doesn't just because they just say, Oh, you know, we know this could make others feel awkward or this makes me feel awkward or whatever. It is. Yeah. So it's not always the best ground to be on. You have to be very skilled to be able to do it. Very skilled yeah. to be able to do it.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, like I find funny when it's awkward as well. Like when it's the most awkward that you can get people, I find it funny because I like watching them squirm, right? <laughs> so it's sort of like they're being <laughs> uncomfortable. like, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm making you think, aren't I? <laughs> that sort of a thing as well. Like... <laughs> it's funny and and th- there's a reason why i don't think the people realize there's a reason why i chose the name momus because momus is not my birth name it's my pseudonym and momus is the greek god of mockery and critique right of- yeah, I, I didn't know so, that yeah. i didn't look it up yeah.
0: because um because you're brown and you had a, a weird sounding name i just respected <laughs> it immediately and thought i'm not gonna i'm not gonna question i'm not i'm not gonna look it up So you know, that would just That's be really? racist
1: there we have it. The real Paul Cox. The real <laughs> There he is. i one here. In the end, got it out of him.
0: Exposed. Another one exposed.
1: Yeah. Now it's a it's a Greek name. I think so. They pronounce it as Momos or something. Like I'm I'm using the name and I'm not even pronouncing it properly. <laughs> <But> <laughs> the actual thing is like it's a, it's a god of mockery and critique and like you know it's sort of like someone who pokes. At the authority and he is sort of like the god of uh, for comedians and stuff because that's what comedians do they they go against the establishment they make people laugh that's why we used to have jesters in the king's court which is was a huge move by the king which people don't appreciate like a monarch saying like yeah i need a jester and for them to philo- philosophically realize that i need someone to mock me or to go against me but not be serious about it so I can take it seriously but other people can disregard it so that it's not a critique of me by other people it's so it's so important and this is why I get a bit agitated sometimes when people try to police comedies like e- either on left or on right whatever your comedy is you should be able to say your mind and let the audience decide if if you're being a jerk you know for for the reason of just being a jerk then people will not listen to you and you you know uh, if you're not being funny and stuff like that and th- this is I-, I don't like those lefty comedians because again i know where their joke is going you know i know that they are why they're doing it they be- some of them have become just mouthpieces uh, well, it goes against a the whole jester
0: thing you talk mm. about, I mean, Chester's always a great um, point of reference. And of course, yeah. they, you know, the Chesters were also used to tell the King or Queen bad news as well because they just mm. wouldn't hear it from anybody else. They would trust the Chester. Um, but I think it's either Graham Linahan or Nick Dixon. I, I don't know quite who said it first, but they seem to have coined a phrase in the last six months of regime comedian. And take mm. that as you will, I mean, mainstream, whatever. And the... What they're trying to say there, and it's absolutely true, is that if you're totally in agreement with authority Mm, and the established authority, it's very difficult to be a jester. Because we don't know if you're telling the truth or not. You might think that. that You might not think that, but we don't know if you do or not. Because it's totally aligned with what everybody's being told to say and think. So I don't think... I mean that doesn't mean you're not a comedian because being a comedian can be funny, but you're certainly mm. you're certainly not questioning enough, and I would say your critical thinking isn't strong enough because mm. you imagine if you, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a sovereign individual, surely you don't agree with a hundred percent of things you're always told. So like some su- subservient sex slave, you know just you, you, will, you will just do and you're like, "Oh yes, please sir, let me suck on your nipple." Or whatever, okay. you know, I don't know how it works. Um, I'm, I'm not, not I'm not o- I'm o- yeah. o- honest. But um, it, I, I'm always I'm always suspicious of that because mm. I get it. I just think it's like capitalism, which I have yeah. no issue whatsoever. Yeah. But you know full well, if yeah. you can, and, 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 and let's not undermine any of this, if you can tick a number of boxes, whatever they might be, and say all the right things, your path to success or what's perceived as success is a much smoother path. Yeah. You will have to fight it out with, um, you know, other people who do the same, but it's mm. a much smoother path. For instance, yeah. going on to GB News, mm. you know, that does restrict me from doing a whole bunch of other things, mm. whether people would admit it or not. You're not likely to find me um, on a mainstream BBC Sky or ITV program anytime soon, because the mm. producers of that program are so. Well, where has he been before? Oh, well, he mm. does, you know, he's, he's better known for doing I mean, GB News, Headliners, Free yeah. Speech Nation, uh, Leo Curse's show. Mm. Uh, they're going to say, it. well, no, I don't think that's the right fit for us. They won't look yeah. at anything I've said or anything I'm able to do. Yeah. They'll just say, that's not the right fit for us. Yeah, I think that'll change, by the way. I genuinely think that'll change. I think it'll have to change. Because all you're yeah, getting is the same... You're... You, the same thing fed to you, whether you like yeah. it or not, whether you find it delicious. Eventually, you just go no more. What's it? What else is in the fridge? Tell you what else is in the mm. fridge. This man, I'm always in the fridge.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the the thing as well is that they are making, and this is, has has been happening for a while. And I think so. People are, the audience is noticing it, not just with comedy, with the whole of the art industry. They have made art into a job. They made artists into a job. Right. And then they have seen, oh, well, like it's like an office job or something. And then there's a way of how to perform this job. Oh, yeah, you critique this person only, you say this thing only. And that's how you get famous for a while. It was working because there was more emphasis on stand up comedy or something. So people were just taking trying to take everyone in. But now I think so people are noticing it. Who are the actual artists and who are the the very polished people who are just doing the job? Right. And that's uh, not just within comedy, that's within the art industry as well, when you can see like complete shit paintings, you know, being put out there in like, like whatever the exhibitions and stuff. And you can see, like, there is no risk taking in this. The only like, there's nothing that you're doing that you're going against the grain. You made it into a job. Right. And yeah. you you have a pattern like uh, like especially in Britain, do a few funny bits, agree with the establishment. They'll put you on BBC panel, one of their stupid little quiz shows sort of a thing. And, and you'll go on there and then you will have 20 years of doing that on your CV and you'll call yourself a uh, established comedian or whatever. Right. It's not about like actually doing stand up comedy, making like, you know, really risky jokes and stuff trying to prod things, you know, they just made it into a job. That's how I, I see it, yeah, you know, and I'm like everyone who goes on the panel shows is shit, but it's sort of like, who is going on there with, what is the route that they have taken to go on there? Are they go, uh, was that their goal or that happens to be an opportunity, right? Like with you, you're on GB news, but that's not, that wasn't your goal. That happens to be because you were good at something else. You were given an opportunity. Yeah, you do something yeah. else as well. There's, it's a huge yeah, difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and to back, you know, whether I agree or don't agree, um, to back that up, take Mock the Week, which is no longer on BBC. Mm. It, it was yeah. canned uh, a year or two ago. Take Mock the Week from the early series versus the later series. Very really funny one, yeah.
1: It,
0: it was incredibly funny because mm. Frankie Boyle was at his absolute peak. I mean, we always yeah. use Frankie Boyle. There were, there were other comedians on there that were extremely good mm. as well but they were taking risk, and the whole point of that is they were taking risk and poking fun. And um, it didn't feel as polarising as it would do now. And Mm. I I think that's partly because of the landscape we find ourselves in, you know, Brexit, Mm. Boris, Conservative, Labour, woke, progressive, Trump, Biden. Mm. Uh, Biden, by the way, he needs a jester, doesn't he? I mean, the guy couldn't put his socks on.
1: Yeah, he's a a comedian himself, I think, so just... Well,
0: it's a sad state of affairs, actually, because I think he's yeah. been taken advantage of. Um, he, he's just a prop and a, and a puppet, and no. we're told it. We're, we're told this is the best that America can offer, and clearly it's yeah. not. There's 300 million people there, and you know, of course, America know, is.
1: I, have you engaged with them recently?
0: Well, <laughs> I don't think all some, some of the ones that engage with me on Twitter. Um, yeah. I, I'd like to think aren't representative of everybody in the United States. Because yeah. Twitter's not real, we know Twitter's not real. I mean, we we both indulge in it. We both enjoy indulging in it, and I'm sure we both get frustrated and amused by it in yeah. equal measures. But it's not real, you know. Yeah. You don't want. You wouldn't wander down on your local high street talking yeah. to someone like you would on Twitter. I mean, I can actually. <laughs> I try to kill with kindness. I find the best thing you can do is maybe do turn that. around what someone said and use it against them, or just be yeah. kind to them and say, "Look, do you know yeah. what? I don't have any feeling towards you." You've made a decision about me because you've seen me on GB news or my view is on the wrong side of your history, Uh, but you've never got to know me. You don't know the first thing about me. Yeah. Uh, So you can't make that judgment. So it's ridiculous and unreal to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, I would say that's the best tactic because like I was saying that yesterday as well, like you don't have to have the social skills of a feral cat to be on social media. (laughs) Like, you know, you can choose to be normal. You know, yeah you, you can, can uh, disagree normally. <laughs> you know, well this is the thing, is that You can choose to be anything you like. Yeah. And imagine
0: having the choice of being anything you could possibly That's be and still <laughs> choosing to be a dick.
1: Yeah, exactly. that, uh, so <laughs> That tells me that dick is that thing uh, is living inside of you. It needs an outlet. <laughs> which is also banned in Pakistan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so you see that this is changing, that this is going to change, especially with comedy itself, because something is very important. I don't know if people at Netflix themselves have noticed it, that Ricky Gervais's stand-up and Dave Chappelle's stand-up is number one and number two on their top 10 list, right, of what people have viewed. So surely something must click in their head that only people who have, Netflix account are watching this. So that means the majority of the Netflix account holders like this. That means maybe we should stop with the woke nonsense in our other programs because people are not liking it. I mean, there has to be sort of like some switch that has to turn on over there. Yeah. Do
0: you know what else is out at the moment? There's a Trevor Noah Mm -hmm. special out at the moment on Netflix. And it doesn't sit in the top ten.
1: No, I mean, I'm I sure do it's doing movie. okay. It's
0: got, you know, all the views, no worries. But, yeah. that, but again, he's just a raging comedian, isn't he? I, you, I, there's no criticism of a man uh, of a man yeah. being anything or a woman being anything, but yeah. it's well, it's just just one thing. Your identity, and people have got into the point now where your sexuality, the color of your skin, your culture, your background, your religion has to be the most important thing about you. It's it's it, so it's, it's, it's it's not interesting. It isn't interesting. It might be interesting to your audience. And I think, you know, to give someone a a flavor,
1: right? So it adds flavor. Like you were saying, because you're from a working class background, right? So when you're talking about those things, it adds flavor to it. But just making that your sort of primary for comedy, you're excluding so many people, other people out there. And, you know, the jokes aren't, aren't always going to hit. But you can use that additional flavor, whatever you have of it, if someone is gay, someone is like, you know, whatever, different color, different like background, different cultures, you can bring that into relatability. But sort of making that as your primary thing is just, I don't find it funny at all.
0: No, and whether you Mm -hmm. or I do or not is probably irrelevant in in, in, in Trevor Noah's mind, in in, um, his career path. And like you say, why should he give a damn what we think? Um, mm. But you hold those two things up. Chappelle and Trevor Noah both have a special out on Netflix at the moment. Both come out at the same sort of time. One mm. is getting talked about, and the other isn't. And yeah. uh, there, you know, you don't even have to argue whether one's funnier than the other or not. I think a lot mm. of people would come down on the side of Dave Chappelle, but I'm not sure that's necessarily important mm. either. But I think the validity and and the things that. Uh, Dave Chappelle is saying versus Trevor Noah are much more interesting and he's just as much a black man as Trevor Noah is Mm -hmm. um but I don't think Dave Chappelle has built a a, certainly in his recent career he's not built it on the color of his skin he's built it on his observations whereas Trevor Noah has built it entirely on his identity as a South African black man that's it outside of that What is interesting about Trevor Noah? There probably are a million things interesting about Trevor Noah, but we're not going to know them because he's not not talking about
1: them. Yeah, exactly. Because he's not presenting, and then he's going to America and trying to relate with the black people in America by bringing up some injustice and stuff. Like, no, you had a completely different experience in South Africa, right? You can't just copy that over, right? Like. (sighs) Your other job. No, it's
0: probably more akin, I'd imagine South Africa, the racism in South Africa that Je- Trevor Noah would have been subjected to, is probably yeah, more yeah, akin to the sort of thing gone. you might get in America than you would do in Europe. That's the other yeah. thing, of course, we seem to have imported racism from the American yeah. perspective into yeah. the UK and Europe and said yeah. it's the same thing. But, of course, we're, we're actually far more enlightened in many ways than they mm. are there. We don't see racism. I'm not suggesting that racism doesn't exist. As a white guy, you actually do get a fair amount of it myself, you know, just for being white. But, but, but of course, my history isn't oppressed by me being white. So, of course, it's a different argument. However,
1: playing, the... the, I, the of Tell you what, you try being
0: white, mamas. You do all this Pakistani Muslim stuff. You try being a white guy from Portsmouth, mate.
1: Well, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. I listen to (laughs) TV News. I listen to you. (laughs) Good on you, mate. The
0: indoctrination has begun. But but I don't think... I mean, perhaps it's not for me to say. You're Hmm. absolutely right to take the piss. It's probably not for me to say. But how much racism have you... How much racism have you been subjected to in this country? It'd be interesting to know. Maybe I'm completely wrong.
1: Okay, I, I I would say I've been here since 2010, right? Um, I do not remember. I've not, I've not, like I've not. I, they there isn't a clear case where I have. I've had I I lived in Harlow for six months, but that's a Harlow problem, right? So I got beaten up over there, just oh, coming back wow. from work and stuff. But I'm not sure if that was racially sort of motivated. There I mean, were white kids, right, who who did that. Uh, but it's then, starting again, to feel like it is. No, I mean, but the, the uh, thing as well is always that the, the people who came to my rescue were also white kids, right? So it's sort of like they were just drunk young kids <laughs> who were looking for trouble, and they thought, oh, we can beat this guy up for whatever reason they might have. They might have an ingrained racial sort of thing. But I, I haven't seen anything like out towards that much Because I don't engage with those sort of people anyways, right? Because I'm not in those circles. Exactly. No, no white working class people. Yeah, the (laughs) The worst kind. Exactly. I only only hang out with rich, like elite people. Yeah,
0: because they're known for not being gracious whatsoever. People who
1: have at least been on holiday in the last three months. Outside of (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: a very, very specific parameter. Have you been on holiday (laughs) in the last three months? (laughs) Yes. Where
1: was it? On a
0: white? No.
1: No. Skiing, How, yes. I'm bloody racist. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, um most of my friends are, are white. Actually, white British and stuff. But it's not by choice. It's not like I'm. Someone's
0: watching <laughs> you. There's, there's groups of us going <laughs> around saying your friends will be white <laughs> and you will enjoy it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And now it's so, it's sort of like it just happens that I I came to Britain because I liked Britain, right? So. <laughs> The first thing I had to do, I had to get away from Pakistan because, uh, you know, I left Islam. So it wasn't a viable place for me to live anymore. But then I had a number of choices because, you know, where, where can I go? Because, you know, I had enough qualifications and stuff so I could apply for different places. But my idea had always been to come to Britain. Since since I was young, I love Britain. Even when I was outside, I love Britain. Even when I was in Pakistan and they were crying about, oh, the British Empire came over us. I was secretly rooting for the British Empire. I was saying like, yeah, they should have stayed on you guys. <laughs> you know? So I was that sort of a kid who was <laughs> that much against us. I was like, I don't care. Like It's a tiny little island and it conquered you. You should be ashamed of yourself. So don't <laughs> bash them for it. They conquered the entire world. There's something to admire about it. I don't care about anything else. (laughs) But uh, So it it just so happens when I came over here, I wanted to be friends with the British people regardless of their skin. And if there were people who were anti-British or British bashing and stuff, obviously I will not chime with them because it's like, well, you're coming from a very negative point of view. I'm coming over here to find a home for myself, right? I'm not going to come over here find a home for myself and then try to trash my own home like that's the most ridiculous thing anyone can do. So, yeah, in that's interesting. That, that's interesting because Yeah, I don't feel like you finished your point. You finished your yeah, point. Sorry. Yeah. If that is my mindset, so there's a way that I'm going to approach things. This is so I'm not going to look for racism as well. So there might be racist things that might have happened towards me, but I haven't clocked to it, and I have mm. raised, uh, rise above it, like, you know, so I've overcome that, if, if that may be, I, I've never been stopped in any job, I've never been not given any job. Actually, I've only failed one interview or one or two interviews ever in my life so far. So it's not like, you know, anyway, in job or anything is stopping me from doing it. I haven't done that. Not like all my neighbors and stuff. Nobody has targeted me for it. But I don't know what is in people's minds, right? But, it, but it's about how I approach it. If I'm going to look for racism, I'm going to find it, you know.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's true, and uh, it's very interesting because if you if you then compared that with your, you know, your your home in Pakistan mm-hmm. uh, where you were brought up, uh, it's probably a lot, a lot less tolerant, and sometimes that's not taken into account when we're having the debate and the discussion. Because the people on the left will value other foreign, you know, Mm. whatever it might be, far greater than they will value anything else, but they won't take into consideration, they just won't take into consideration um, the culture of the other. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, uh, the clearest and starkest example of that is queers for Hamas, which. I'd love to say it was a joke that I wrote, but it's not, yeah. you know, there are know. some people marching
1: around. I thought it was a parody when it first came out. I was like, that has to be, like, people know about this, but no. But, like, just before you go on, like, just a little correction over there. I was actually born in the Middle East. So I was born in Kuwait, and I lived there for 15 years. And then right, I okay. went to Pakistan and lived there for 10 years. So, I like, I've had, like, two very different Islamic cultures as well. And Kuwait was very much open. It's very much American sort of a thing, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, people from Saudi Arabia, actually women from Saudi Arabia used to come to Kuwait so they can be free. Right. So like they would come on their holidays so they can, they don't have to wear the abaya and stuff like that. So they used to come to holidays in Kuwait, like in Kuwait, like a tiny little island, compare that with Pakistan. Pakistan is just really backward. So I saw those both ends. Um, of the you know ha- and then when I came over here and people just assume any culture outside of Britain is good I was like well he surely you've only gone on holidays if if you have right to those places and you're going with those rose tinted glasses and you think oh yeah look at them oh it's such an exotic culture you are not you're not living over there like 24 nice. 7 you don't know what that exotic culture actually has underlying. I've never
0: seen an example of it that's not performative. So Mm. The only person I've seen that's been non-performative about this in recent times when we talk about Hamas and Israel and Palestine is probably Douglas Murray because he's the only person I've seen out there talking Mm. about it and talking about his lived experience out there against people that are sat in nice warm studios Mm. in London somewhere who have got a perception of it and are performing to the crowd that they think are watching. Mm. Now, I always yeah, find that extremely it's, interesting. It's, it's,
1: is that not the same thing as making journalism into just a job? Yeah, that, well, of you course know, it is, but I mean, like, Yeah, they, they made, like, arti- being an artist as a job, comedian as a job, journalist as a job, they just like, oh, I can just research everything from... Like, journalism, these things are not a job. They are an obsession that you get paid for. That That's yeah. what it has to be.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting view. I think I agree as well. I don't. Um, we we would definitely get the best journalism, whatever way it, it, it comes back at us. We mm. would definitely get the best journalism if most journalists were as uh, less indoctrinated than than they appear to be. Because you, how could you be? How could you be open? I mm. mean, whether you're reporting for the Daily Mail or the Guardian, mm. how can either of those people be entirely open when they've already got a preconceived idea of the world? Um, and I'm not saying that all journalists of both of those papers aren't. And, of course, you know, um, I've got my views on both of them. But take mm. the Guardian, for instance, uh, uh, a lot of that just seems like student journalism. Yeah. Because, because it's just students that have these views. And, of course, they are, again, performative and they are, again, mm. playing mm. to the audience that they think they want to garner. Um, and, and there is an audience there, but the, it must be quite small because The Guardian are constantly begging for cash. Yep. But um, it, it's, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah. And um, coming back to comedy and ending on comedy sort of thing, how do you see the, the future of comedy in Britain? I, I sort of see it as a positive, just to let you know, because of the things that you have done with epic comedy, because of what Unleashed are doing. Is it's not as, not not really the point that there's like you know the, these movements sort of a thing going on, but there's actually venues where comedians are allowed to be comedians regardless, and that is important that they don't have to just go to the fringe, and have a particular point of view to be a comedian, like to be a successful comedian, they can find an audience. So I have a positive aspect. I hope at some point GB News has a space for separate thing for like, start producing uh, stand-up comedy and stuff in Britain and start, like, you know, streaming it or whatever they want to do because that would be a good move as well going ahead.
0: I think there's a market for that. I mean, Mm. my chain of comedy clubs and, and Unleashed and things like that, aren't the only people out there that are just giving comedy to the masses. There are loads of, you know, I, I could focus it all on me, but it, it would be disingenuous because I get to perform at a lot of comedy clubs as well. Um, and I, I, you don't really come, unless you're in specific clubs, uh, in very specific lo- locations in, 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 in the major metropolitan cities, there really isn't the audience, the, the sensibilities of the audience and the sensitivities of the audience uh, uh, are are the the holders of of success and meritocracy. So I think at the moment British comedy is in a very healthy state. Um, what's probably not in a very healthy state is British televised comedy. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing um, uh, on the on your TV or, uh, or or broadcast to millions of people, other the people that are watching TV. I don't think it's entirely representative of the comedy that's available. Where you've got to go to find that is YouTube, uh, wherever it might be. There are so many huge comedic YouTube channels available in the UK, uh, you know, all over the UK and Mm. and America, I'm sure, um, where actually the real success and the real money in comedy is being made. Um, So for me, I think you've only got to lift the drain slightly and you can see that there's lovely, healthy... Uh, comedy circuit and um, community out there. Um, at some point, either television will catch on to that, or television will cease to exist.
1: Yeah, and I think so. The the uh, the lessening of popularity of BBC is actually sort of opening people's mind in Britain as well that the actual comedy is outside of these places, and um, even even uh, like the sitcoms and stuff. Like uh, because BBC has not created anything funny for a very long time Um, so people can see that the actual funny is outside if you go on the skits and stuff that people are doing the comedians are doing on YouTube and stuff they are far more funny than anything BBC has produced in the past 10 or 20 years like you know it's just uh, hopefully that will drive people towards because that's where I've seen like most of the British comedy these days Um, You know, you, Leo, or other people, Francis Foster and stuff like on YouTube clips. And, you know, you can see like, you know, there's actually people over there who are enjoying this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's not that underground, actually. It's just if you only watch mainstream television to get your entertainment, you Mm. are just being fed, you know, a meal of a very certain kind of output.
1: Hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think so. that's a good point to end our conversation as well, is to let people know, like, go out there, find the comedians, yeah, <laughs> find absolutely. your money, because they're out there everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They really are. They're like infested all over Britain.
0: When <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said there weren't any stand-up comedians, uh, just, there are flipping millions of them, I can tell you, yeah. like rats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: But, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was amazing having you on and talking with you. Oh, my Hope, pleasure, mate.
0: Thanks for inviting
1: yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not every day that I get to talk with a fellow bigot and far right. <laughs> so, yeah, you're very
0: welcome. I mean, I think I don't know if I have any career left after this, but you're very welcome. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, and thank you everyone for listening. Until yes. next time, take care, be good, and thank you so much for listening.